0: Hey everyone, and welcome to episode six of Let's Talk All Things LGBTQ+. I'm your host, Annie McKinnon. I am your authentic coach, therapist, speaker, writer, and podcaster. If you want to learn a little bit more about me, then please visit my website, www.coachingcart.com, that's cart with a C, or ping me over an email at info at coachingcart.com. But I'm really excited to introduce to you today, Julie Goldberg. Julie is an empowerment coach and intuitive guide. Welcome, Julie.
1: Thanks, Annie. I'm so excited to talk with you
0: and i'm excited too so we had a chat before we started recording and you identify as pansexual so for all our listeners out there around the world would you like to share a bit about what that means
1: yeah definitely i'd love to i'm still discovering fully what it means to me i feel like pansexuality is a pretty broad identity but for me it means that i can be attracted to basically anybody along the polarity scale from very feminine to very masculine and everything in between and that for me i'm mostly attracted to people's energy and what i've learned about myself is that i tend to home base in more feminine energy and so for like for example like for a long-term partner i would want someone who more home base is in masculine energy but I can be attracted to people who are even more feminine energy than me and that yeah that my attraction to people whether it's romantic or sexual isn't based on their gender identity they could have any gender identity
0: well that that was certainly really clear and I think from previous podcasts what I'm hearing is that Everyone I've spoke to is still learning about the LGBTQ plus acronym because it's grown so much, certainly since I, I was young. And we're all still learning what that acronym means. So that was a really clear explanation. So thank you for that. I think people mm. are, you know, listening and understand or have more of an understanding of what what that means. And we also spoke about you having experience of different sort of intimate relationships in your life. Uh, Would you like to share a bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. It's definitely been part of the journey of understanding pansexuality too, just uh, experimenting with different relationship styles. And yeah, I didn't even find the word pansexual until I was like 25 or 26. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, that sounds like the closest thing I've ever seen to what I think I am. And so it's been,
0: with that.
1: yeah, I think some people are confused by how many terms there are now and different things you can be, but it's given so many people a voice for what their identity feels like. And I'm definitely one of those people. Mm. Yeah, I learned about being pansexual through being in an open relationship for eight years and experimenting with different relationship styles from being in an open relationship to being in a throuple. I was in a relationship with two people in a closed relationship, the three of us.
0: Mm-hmm. So what did um, I... what did that look like again? Just for clarity and understanding for the listeners, because you used uh, words there that maybe people out you know that are listening may not understand. So what was that oh. like for you?
1: It was basically similar to being in a relationship with one other person but with a third person so it's a lot of communicating a lot of and we didn't have relationships outside of the three of us at the time so the three of us communicating the three of us um, being in a sexually closed dynamic it was you know it was an extra person so if you think about the complexities of two people and then you add a third there's you know there's that person with you that person with your third partner you with your third partner, and then the dynamic of the three of you. So yeah, that was definitely a huge learning experience. I feel like my whole life has kind of been like a relational experiment. I've been in a monogamous dynamic for the last year and a half, and that's been really amazing also. And I hadn't been in a monogamous dynamic since for like almost 10 years before.
0: Yeah, so what were some of the challenges that you faced with having that additional person in the relationship? I'm curious to know.
1: It's another set of opinions, another set of beliefs, needs, background. So it's, I think, to be really successful in a multi-person dynamic, you really need a lot of love, acceptance, compassion, openness. You got to be willing to throw a lot of your what you thought was true out the window.
0: Yeah, and how did that translate for you in that relationship?
1: Well, ultimately, in that relationship, we weren't fully compatible, so we ended up breaking up, ending the relationship. I'm still very close with one of the people in a friendship, um, and I think that's something else that I just want to touch on. That's beautiful in the poly world and in poly dynamics. I feel like there's more of a culture of transitioning romantic relationships into friendships, and so I'm I feel very lucky to still have a very close friendship with one of the people from that dynamic. But we are just a lot more compatible as friends than we are as romantic partners
0: yeah and I, th- I think that can generally happen in relationships can't it you know if it, if you're with one person and then you find out well actually we're not compatible to be in an intimate relationship but as friends but you're saying you think that transpires more in a sort of poly multiple relationship
1: I think it's um, very, very common in the poly world that you might try dating somebody and then decide to be friends or be in a relationship. And then there's a lot of transitioning of relationships. Like you might be in a primary relationship with somebody, like let's say you live with them and maybe you were together before you became poly or maybe not, but they're your primary partner, but then that's not working out. So you stay in a dynamic, but maybe you have a different primary partner. Stay in a romantic or friendship dynamic. There's a lot of, it feels like there's a lot more room for shifting relationship styles and relationship types
0: okay Um, that's actually really interesting to hear and i'm sure uh the listeners are enjoying the conversation as well and learning from it i guess there would need to be i mean there needs to be trust in any relationship but i'm curious to ask do you think that was more so having a third person
1: if i'm honestly thinking back to it i don't know that we got to the point of fully developing that trust together. And I'll say in polydynamics, your sense of security and safety and trust has to be based outside of fidelity. But that's a whole other thing. Cause a lot of people like their sense of trust in the relationship is in a monogamous dynamic is fully based on fidelity. Like I trust you to not be with any other people. And then let's say someone breaks that trust, they cheat. Then the whole trust of the relationship crumbles, right?
0: absolutely yeah
1: so in a polydynamic that doesn't exist because you're open so the trust might be in like following certain rules or boundaries that you've created together It'd be like you don't bring people home or something and so you agree to that trust is following through on that agreement trust can also look like emotional intimacy like trusting someone to hold your uh, things that are closest to your heart uh, trust could look like There's all kinds of different ways trust could look like, but the security and the safety is based, I would say more on love and connection than on, and on like keeping your agreements, of course, but not on completely on fidelity. Like I trust you because you're only with me.
0: And just looking at that and hearing that, There's a lot of conditioning around, isn't there, that we be with one person, we meet the one, we fall in love with one person. So I'm wondering what reactions you might have received from maybe other...
1: I was living in New York City during most of that time. And so I was around a very open, progressive community. So I wouldn't say that my friends had a lot to say about it, but people in general, when I would talk to them about it, would say like, oh, well, there's no way that can work. Their first reaction, and I was like, I've been living like this for, you know, seven years and it's worked out just fine. There's bumps in the road, but everybody has bumps in the road. Anybody that's even single, monogamous, whatever, there's bumps in the road. But they'd say their first reaction would be like, there's no way that you can actually be doing that. That can't work. (laughs)
0: They've been so conditioned to believe that we grow up and we need to be with that one person. When yeah. in actual fact, there are other relationship styles out there and working really well. It's just that people hold, hold such firm beliefs and that mindset of, as you say, how could that possibly happen?
1: You asked me something about what it actually looks like to like break down those beliefs. So let's say you're confronting your a belief you've had since childhood that like there's one person out there for you, which I'm not saying there isn't. There might be. I feel very open to that as well. Um, I feel like whatever is your truth is true for you. But let's say you have a belief that you're confronting the belief that if your partner wants to be with somebody else, that you must not be good enough or that there must be something wrong with you. Like you have to, there's so much that comes up that's like that from conditioning and you have to be willing to face it and it can be emotionally messy and it requires so much vulnerability. So then let's say I was dealing with that. I would say to my partner, Hey, I'm feeling like I'm not enough because you want to be with somebody else. And then we would have that conversation.
0: So it's really key that you have strong communication with each other. Yeah. And put it out there to how you're feeling, which again, just strengthens the communication bond, I guess, between the three of you, that you're able to be so open about how you're feeling and put it out there that once it's out there, you can talk about it
1: yeah so i was in that dynamic and then i was also in a dynamic with a primary partner where i had what you would call in hierarchical polyamory which is like where you have let's say a primary partner that's your main person who you live with you might have secondary partners that are people who are very close and then you might have like casual connections which sometimes people call tertiary so i was in a dynamic kind of like that where i lived with my primary partner And then i had a secondary partner that was very like steady and close for three years and then we would sometimes meet people or have casual connections outside of that we actually both of them at the time
0: but that was an agreement that you made
1: yeah so there's a lot of agreements made a lot of communicating and you gotta ask for what you want too. so let's say i'm in that situation where where i'm feeling insecure and i come to my partner and i say like i'm really feeling like you know you wanting to be with this other person means that i'm not enough for you and then i might ask for reassurance like can you reassure me can you tell me that that's not true or can we go on a date together like you really gotta ask for what you want and i think a lot of people are not conditioned to do that
0: absolutely and that's just what i was thinking when you were talking When people get together and if there are any insecurities around, sometimes people fear voicing that insecurity for whatever reason, if it's rejection or being told that they're too needy or whatever whatever the reason. And it sounds like what you're saying is it's the opposite of that. You know, you have to get those questions out. You have to get those feelings out. And then you can talk about it, which personally, I think, is really healthy.
1: And I think that it's coming more into mainstream world to Mm -hmm. be that way. But something that I've found so beautiful about the poly community is it's so encouraged. Like, people are going to communication workshops, and they're going to, like, intimacy workshops, and they want to have that level of rawness and openness, for the most part, culturally, like, as a (laughs) subculture, you know? And I think it's very interesting, like, the way poly and lgbtq crossover because it's not a complete crossover but there's a fair amount of crossover like like there's a lot of people who are poly that either are like bisexual pansexual you know even gay lesbian completely there's a whole i mean at least within new york which is a huge community of humans there's poly gay men groups and like there's you know there's subsets that are crossovers but there's also people that are just heterosexual that are poly
0: i'm also wondering while you talk julie when trying to understand who who you are and coming out as poly or those relationships did you have a a support network where you could go and talk about that
1: yeah so i first started exploring it through a book that a friend gave me at the end of college just gave me a book that was about polyamory and it was one of the only ones out of the time and for some reason it's slipping my memory what it's called but i was back to you yeah i was reading this book and i was like oh i think i want this like i think i want to explore this or maybe i think i am this and that's actually an interesting thing that i want to pause on i think i am this what i've learned through my journey is that um identity changes it's it can Sometimes it doesn't, like sometimes you figure out like I'm this thing and it doesn't change, but it can be flexible and changing because like at that time when I was exploring that, I didn't know that I was pansexual, I didn't, I wasn't consciously aware that I was attracted to women, I didn't know that I was poly and then I was like, I got into polyamory and was like, oh, I, I am poly and I've been living in the last two years outside of that in a relationship in a close dynamic with one person I've had all these questions like am I still poly am I not what does that mean and I'm like I don't I don't know I'm in a very unique relationship right now with someone who's identifies trans masculine on the on the corner of butch and trans and has a lot of flexing ability and can also flex femme sometimes so it kind of like goes my whole gamut of what I'm attracted to so I feel fulfilled That's a very unique situation with a very unique person with a unique identity.
0: Definitely sounds sounds that way. But also what's coming up for me when you talk is a lot about the mindset that we have. It needing to be a certain type of person to go into these alternative relationship styles where nothing's rigid. It can be flexible. Weaving in and out of any beliefs that we have. And breaking them down and just own with it
1: yeah i want to answer what you were saying about um support system because i think this is part of this so i had that one friend who gave me the book who had experimented with polyamory and this was back in 2012 so it wasn't huge yet it was mm-hmm. starting to grow and then when i went to new york after college i you know i was there a few years before i really dove into it but i went to like meetups and I got support from people there, like poly meetup and poly munches, which are different than BDSM munches. They're literal like picnics, okay. but um, <laughs> like people meeting up for coffee or like picnics in the park or whatever. But yeah, like I went to some of those events and met people and were just like, what's your experience? What's your life like? What are your relationships like? And they just talked to me and I learned and I got support and I met a lot of friends I was dancing too, so I was in the art community. There's a lot of people in the art community doing all kinds of things. So I did feel like I had a lot of support and more books were coming out, so I would read some more things about it. Yeah, it was a lot of educating myself and going out and finding people.
0: Sounds like something we do need support with when we're looking at our identities and and how that energy and how we change throughout our life, I guess. And being able to have that support there is so crucial, isn't it?
1: Definitely. I think it's really important as a society that we don't pigeonhole people. So if they say like, I'm this right now, they are this right now. And they might not wanna be that in five years. It might be something else and that's what they are. And you don't get to say like, oh, you said you were this. Like, okay, they were five years ago. Now they've evolved.
0: Yeah, rather than calling people out, having that, I guess, understanding and compassion that we change.
1: Totally. I want to live in a world where people could say like today I identify as a unicorn and everyone's like, okay, great. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And it's like, I guess within the LGBTQ plus community, we've always said I would love the day to come that I could take my partner home with me and just introduce whatever that looks like. And for the parents to be like, okay, let's sit down, have a cup of tea. Hi, nice to meet you. Great. Right. Just having that compassion, that's the word that keeps coming up for me in these conversations is about just having compassion for our fellow human beings and whatever it is, however they want to identify.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important. That's so important on a greater spectrum with everybody in the world and within the LGBTQ community. I think there's been a lot more opening of like, we're one family, but there's still sometimes like a, I don't know how to describe it but like you're not one of us even within the community so like my partner still identifies lesbian but does identify trans masculine also and I have dealt with a lot of like you're not a real lesbian it's like well no I'm not because I'm also attracted to men and non-binary people but that doesn't make me any less real in my attraction to women
0: absolutely you know what i mean yeah so there are those divisions within the community and i'm guessing it goes on around the world whether it's uk america wherever it's almost like you know and i was chatting to someone on the, the podcast recently when we were talking about in my day i hadn't even heard of lesbian and gay but when the terms came out that's what they were and now the acronym is so huge but there's still like you're saying little boxes that the community want to put everyone in and if you're not fitting in that box then there's something wrong with you which i think we have been fighting against for so many years
1: right there's this like there can be sometimes this sense of like you're not really one of us but i do want to say I feel like as the generations get younger there's less of that there's more just like all inclusiveness within the community but i do want to say i've talked to older people and i would i would love to hear what you have to say about this like i have an older friend who's a gay man and he's probably 60 now mm-hmm. and my partner is older and remembers this older time where there was like a gay community and a lesbian community and there were these sort of cultures and there is, I've heard at least, and I'd love to hear what you have to say, but this feeling of like a loss of that culture as it's become a broader LGBTQ spectrum of there's not like so much of these like gay men culture or like lesbian culture.
0: Just in point, I don't know if I have a sense of loss. I just remember it being lesbian or gay. And then shortly after that, bisexual, was the L, the G, and the B. But for me, like I said earlier, I'm still learning the acronym. And, you know, there's sometimes I'll be having a chat with people out and about. They'll say, Well, I identify as this. And I'm like, Hmm, what's that? And I have to go back to the glossary to read what that's all about. So I guess for me, there's a the feeling of feeling a bit overwhelmed by mm-hmm. the, you know, it's grown, but it's grown really quickly. Yeah. Into so many different different areas that it's it's an education it's almost like people need to be trained on it you know or educated on it yeah um it's got so vast
1: yeah and there's so many layers to it like a single person could have like four or five different things they really identify as Mm. like I was just thinking about sapiosexuality which is not just a queer thing but like it's basically being turned on by someone's mind or their intellect be like me like you could be like pansexual polyamorous or yeah i'm still like am i still poly i don't know but pansexual polyamorous and also sapiosexual you know what i mean yeah
0: and then for me it just gets way confusing it's like okay i need to break that down in my mind and and refer back to the acronym. Okay, what does this mean? So, if if that's what that means, then and they're also identifying as what does that mean? What's the whole picture? And I guess that's what a lot of people in the community and out with the community at the moment are just trying to get their heads around all these yeah. different terms and what they mean. And I think there's also a bit of fear as well within the community and out with of saying the wrong thing I've certainly heard that
1: yeah for sure you know yeah
0: my my answer is
1: yeah yeah
0: my answer is always and I've written an article on it it's is okay to ask you know how do you identify and if a person answers and you just don't know then it's okay to say can you explain that because I don't know what that term means
1: I think that yeah there's a lot and it's important that we all have grace and compassion with each other because i really think there's some people that feel frustrated and they're just like why do there have to be so many things and i think that if we could all have an understanding that people are just trying to express their truth they're trying to find a way or a word or thing that expresses the truth of who they feel they are really like the base need under that is that they're trying to be seen
0: and heard they're
1: trying to be seen and heard and seen in their authenticity everybody wants to be seen as their authentic self no matter if you're gay straight whatever
0: and that's another theme that's running through the podcast is that we'll just want to walk out that door being ourselves and not be judged for it
1: right and also if someone does get angry or defensive when you ask about their identity having some compassion and grace for that because they probably feel really unseen and they might be frustrated with having to explain who they are all the time absolutely
0: so So there's a wide spectrum of oh my gosh you know well i do understand everything and then there's the other end where it's can be i think confusing and overwhelming for people who don't know what it all means
1: yeah this has me thinking about all of the layers of identity oh there's like so much about like your family immigrated from wherever to wherever and whatever religion or not you were raised with and how all the intersection of all of that is so fascinating to me and it really creates in my experience very interesting individual people and if we could just get in the celebration of that and get happy and excited about it i think it would make this all a lot easier
0: the world would certainly be a much happier peaceful place i agree and it would be just so good for people to accept difference
1: yeah and curiosity Mm. really bringing curiosity to the table like as i'm sitting here talking with you i'm like i wonder what it's like to be doing this in scotland and what it was like to grow up in scotland you know what i mean
0: yeah and that's it it's about questioning and and being curious about other people's lives because it's their life you know, not, uh, not ours. And it's going to be different. But yeah, growing up in Scotland was something else. Yeah, as I said, I hadn't even heard the terms gay or lesbian growing up. So that's a whole other conversation about feeling well, who, who am I, there's obviously something wrong with me, etc, etc. And then as the world becomes more open, and you learn more and more and more about people, then the conversation could go on for days weeks years I think. Yeah. there's so many so many layers to it just hoping that people listening if they are going through something at the moment where they're unsure of their identity that this is i guess verbalizing and confirming that there are so so many identities it's about really looking within yourself and being authentic and working through that process to find out how it is you identify
1: yeah what feels like you and even if you can't find a word for it you can describe it
0: yeah it doesn't have to be a word just so interesting
1: and everything is on a spectrum i really Mm -hmm. believe that everything's on a spectrum i was just thinking about. I've, I've done some research on um, the asexual spectrum because I used to just think that like asexuality meant that you didn't really like sex or want it yeah. but that's not necessarily true like there are some people on the asexual spectrum that do but they need it under really specific types of relational conditions or whatever like it's everything's a spectrum I really believe like gender is a spectrum all of these things we're talking about there's a spectrum there
0: yes coming away from or trying to come away from the conditioning that we had as children where I certainly grew up male female end of story nothing else exists so I guess it's about mindset and being able to have an open mindset to understand that there are other identities out there and it's it's not all about Adam and Eve and being female you know and
1: energy I think being open to what that means like what is masculine and feminine energy and not that just that about your body you. parts
0: yeah <laughs> as i say the conversation could go on so if we were to end this call right now what do you think you would have missed saying
1: mm, i think i would want to tell anybody who's listening that they're perfect exactly the way they are and that it's okay to be different from day to day and express your authentic embodied empowered truth you're enough is basically the bottom line. You're enough exactly the way you are. You're more than enough. You're magic.
0: Absolutely magic. And I think that's a a wrap Julie. So I think you've left uh, the listeners with a message. So if anyone's out there listening and would like to get in contact with you, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, they can book a call with me and I'm going to leave you with Uh, that link they can email me at juliecandice at gmail.com and i'll also send you that the spelling and everything facebook instagram all of that is going to be in the notes
0: I'll put those links in so that they can just automatically click and get in touch with you. So yeah. thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a really interesting conversation that I'm sure could have gone on for hours, really. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you,
1: Annie. It's been really, really great talking with you. Yeah. And I'm excited about this opportunity to talk about all of these topics.
0: I'm sure there may be more in the future. We can get you back on the show. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, but right now, yeah. i just love to thank everyone that's been listening in. And again, if you want to know a bit more about me, just visit my website, www.coachingcart.com or ping me over an email, info at coachingcart.com. And yeah, see you next week for episode seven. Thank you very much.